We want tonight to talk about faith from a practical sense. And I think after we get started, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. First John 5, <clears throat> and we will read verse 4 and verse 5. First John 5, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, <clears throat> there is, is no doubt that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now this simply means that Jesus is the anointed one or the Messiah or as the Jewish nation was looking for Jehovah to come. The scripture is saying whosoever believeth that Jesus is that one to come is born of God. And then it turns around and says the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And the religious world has a problem in this particular area because there are two classes of people in the religious world that is those that worship God, those basically that believe in monotheism, that is, God of the Old Testament, but not Jesus of the New. And then those that believe in Jesus of the New, but that he is not the God of the Old Testament. Now, as you well know, we believe that the God of the Old Testament is Jesus in the New. That puts us in an entirely different classification. Now, the verse, however, that I plan on speaking is from verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, turn back in your Bibles to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and we want to read verse 38. In verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. Now this is the scripture that Martin Luther found in the, in the Bible that gave him great aspiration to do what he did that later on turned the religious world upside down. Now the just shall live by faith. Now I'm not for sure that Martin Luther really understood what this scripture was saying because 
the Lutherans rejected the book of James. Now, if you go get an old German Bible, it does not contain the book of James. Because the book of James deals with works, while the book of Hebrews deals with faith. The Catholics were tired of this works business. And so as a result, Martin Luther gave much consideration to the doctrines of the church. And in 1509, he stepped out and formally declared his stand against the works of the Catholic Church and quoted this scripture, the just shall live by faith. Now the reason why that I say that I don't believe that he fully understood it, because James is talking about living. Because life is works. And when the Bible says ye shall live by faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. First starts out in your mind. And then it grows until it becomes an action. Now... <clears throat> You may say, but Brother Grant, what about somebody that we're, we're praying for that's sick and we just have faith in, in, in God? You can't do anything about that, Brother Grant. Well, it may be true that you cannot heal them, but while faith is just a mere figment of the mind until it becomes part of your living, you will find in the Bible that when people came to Jesus, many of those people went through very dangerous and difficult situations in order to make their request known to God. For an example, the man who had palsy that was let down through the roof by the four gentlemen that were carrying his cot the Bible tells us when Jesus ministered in that home and all of a sudden the roof was being torn back. The Bible says Jesus looked and when Jesus saw their faith. Now what did Jesus see? Well, Jesus was God and he had the ability to look inside. I think what the scripture is saying, what he saw was... The hole in the roof. He saw the bulging muscles. He saw the protruded arteries on their necks. He saw them, the sweat dripping from their brows as they let that man down through that roof. So faith becomes more than just wishful thinking and dreaming. It's more than that. 
While it may start with hope, something that you can't see, in time it dominates you to the point that your actions pursue that which you see not. Now, <clears throat> for this reason, people who are praying for the Holy Ghost quite often, you have to talk to them about the physical. Some of them will just sit there in a blah way and not worship, while others want to tear the house down. They put too much action in it. And not enough basic or fundamental belief in God. So you see, in everything that we do, there has to be a balance there. The faith of the heart must drive the physical man. The physical man, however, cannot put restraints on God cannot hold him. The physical man cannot push God. See, man can't make God do anything. And I know I've heard people say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to make God do this. Well, <clears throat> you may say, well, I can show you, Brother Grant, in the Scripture, where men prayed and they had power with God and they, they, they just uh, travailed and, and, and prevailed both until God moved. Well, I can show you in the Scripture where also where they, when they were praying, God was wanting to do that. So they were really making God do anything. Sometimes we have to reach a place in which we just let Him do it. But you notice... <clears throat> In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that the just shall live. Let's say that together. Live. What is living? It means that your actions... Now, I said I was going to preach on faith from a practical sense. See, sometimes we make Christianity so spiritual, quote-unquote, that it's out of reach. And then we seem to want to separate it from our normal living. So that faith is something that we practice at church or when, when somebody is sick on the bed. Or somebody needs a Holy Ghost. And then on a day-to-day -day basis... When we are living a life of an overcomer, we forget all about our faith. You see, John says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. See, God's full intent when the Holy Ghost came to you, was to regenerate you and make you distinctively different. 
his full intent of sanctification or separation from the world was designed to make you distinctively different from the other earthlings. Now, what makes us different? Well, sometimes we say, well, we're different because we do this, we're different because we do that, and we're different because we do this, we're different because we do that. You know, the truth of the matter is, we are what we are because of the Holy Ghost that's in us. I say we are what we are because of the Holy Ghost that's in us. It causes us to do things in a different fashion. But we don't do things in a different fashion just to be different for that purpose alone. Now, let me explain a little bit more in detail that I, where I think sometimes we, we separate uh, true faith and Christianity from everyday living. A man rolls out of bed at the sound of his alarm at 6.30. Uh, he knows he has to be at work at, at 8 o'clock. So he gets down on his knees and he prays. He seeks the Lord. Uh, I believe that every day should start with prayer. It may not be a long prayer, but it should be a sincere prayer, an honest prayer. A prayer in which you fully give or dedicate your heart to God. Now, my wife and I have practiced this for a long, long time. You just roll out of bed, kneel right down by your bedside, and you just start praying. Now, early in the morning, I never feel like praying Uh well, like I preach. Sometimes I, at night I, I want to preach my prayers, see. But in the morning it's more of a, a meditation. It's thinking on God. Now, I'm not just saying I just lay there, uh, you know, in the bed with my eyes closed. You know, every now and then I tell my wife, I said, I need to go meditate before the Lord. But it's more meditation than it is meditation, see. <clears throat> But uh, <clears throat> I'm talking about really getting your mind on God. Now, God, I need you today. I worship you. I praise you. You're just my all in all. And what could I do, Lord, without you? And it's just simply calling on the name of the Lord for a duration there. Letting the Lord come down and bless you. Okay? So after all of this has happened... Then the man eats his breakfast, kisses his wife goodbye, gets in the car. First thing happens down the road, and whether that's 20 below zero, he has a flat. Now, when the flat happens, or when it occurs, and all of a sudden he veers off the side of the road, things are slippery, he ends up in the ditch. He knows full well now that he's going to be late. He knows he works for a grouch. Some em employers are grouches. Not quite as many employers are grouches as employees are. You may say, why? Because there's a whole lot more employees than employers. And most people are just people. They all grouch. 
See? So, here he is now. He's stuck in the ditch. He's going to be late. He's got a flat. He doesn't know where to start. Now, what's going to make this man an overcomer? Jumps out of his car. Looks at the, the tracks going in the ditch. Looks at his car. All of a sudden his blood begins to boil and he loses his mind. So he thinks all of a sudden he's just going to work old Betsy over with his foot. And so he just starts kicking the door. Now I literally saw this happen one day. I just thought it was just, you know, kind of humorous when I saw the guy kicking the door the way. <clears throat> I guess this is an appropriate message because when I told a brother in the church, he told me he kicked his. <laughs> but what's going to make this man an overcomer? You see, the faith that you acquired in God and the faith that you developed in God on a day-to-day -day basis must be used in situations like this. The just shall do what? Live by faith. Now I can quote some scriptures in the Bible that tell you what you ought to do when you have a flat. Now you may say, well, Brother Grant, no, the Bible says in all things we should give thanks. I think all includes flat tires. And cars and ditches. Now the man who cannot thank the Lord for an adversity is not living by faith. In other words, his confidence is not in God. Is it there or not? So... You see, what we need to do... Now, this message tonight will be more uplifting than convicting. I hope. <clears throat> so just stay with me. What we need to do is to learn on a day-to-day, -day, or maybe I should start out by saying hour-to-hour day to day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, cycle of just applying practical faith or confidence in God. You know, every now and then somebody will have some adverse situation and they'll run in and they just start praying and they start fasting, they start seeking the Lord and they call the, the church, they call the prayer chain, they call everybody that they can possibly call and they're having everybody to pray and seek the Lord. And all of a sudden, see, uh, this person's prayer, uh, the prayers are not answered, you know, in a quick-like fashion like they think and, and they get discouraged and they get down and out and... And, and, and then they come and they question the preacher and say, What went wrong? We fasted, we prayed, we sought the Lord. 
I'll tell you what went wrong. It was not what you were doing in the time of crises. It's what you failed to do before the crises came. Now you may say, well, Brother Grant, we had faith in God. Let me tell you something. People who do not live on a day-to-day basis of manifesting faith in God find themselves in a most difficult situation to be spiritual and manifest faith in God when the crisis comes. They panic. And a lot of fasting and a lot of praying is not done because of confidence in God. It's because you lose confidence in yourself. Now you may say, but Brother Grant, I've got to lose confidence in myself to have confidence in God. But I know of a lot of people who can lose confidence in themselves and never find confidence in God. You see, if you had have had confidence in God, you would have been applying this on a day-to-day basis. The just shall do what? Live. The just shall do what? Live. Let's say it again. Live. Let's say it again. Live. Let's say it again. Live. By faith. Now, there are certain things that, that uh, people are asking me. I teach a Christian stewardship, and, and I just want to just talk to you just a little bit about about some things that that might just kind of help you in your your quest for a deeper walk with God. Now, we talk about the Lord blessing people. Now, I'm a firm believer that anybody that has the Holy Ghost who will go up to a lost person and testify, I believe that God will anoint them. And sometimes we measure our spirituality by how much we are anointed when we teach a Bible study or when we preach a message or when we witness to somebody. Now all of you know that you have seen people who can really testify and really be anointed and they seem to be a real expert in this field yet in their day-to-day living, they can't seem to get their act together. And some of the most non-productive Christians from a living standpoint are those who have great anointings upon them when they testify. But you see, what I see in the Scripture, God is not just after an anointed testimony or an anointed message God wants to anoint our lives. You see, Isaac was a man who did very little in the Old Testament but go around and unstop wells that his father had dug. That's about all he did. Abraham just dug a whole lot of wells and Isaac just went around and unstopped them. The Philistines and all of them 
just, you know, they came along, and what did they do? They just stopped up all those wells. And so as a result, uh, Isaac thought, well, we've got to unstop these wells. So he just kept, you know, every time he'd go, come across an uh, uh, indentation in the ground, he thought, maybe this is one of those wells Dad dug. So he got digging the stones out of it. And Now, that was a great job. <clears throat> but I'll tell you about Isaac. Isaac was a man whose life was anointed by God. He went into the land of the Philistines, and when there was a great drought in the land, and when the Philistines that sowed the seed could not even get back the yield of the seed, the Bible says that he sowed seed and prospered a hundredfold. In other words, God miraculously anointed his life. He didn't do anything great, just unstopped wells. But he sure had an anointed life. In other words, he was a man of high principle and great character. And God looked down upon him and said, I will anoint his life. So as a result, a lot of Christians are anointed today, and God begins to bless them. You'll find some who have anointed testimonies, and because that their life is not blessed, they, they resort to scriptures for a loophole. Now whenever I say they resort to scriptures for a loophole, they like to read scriptures like this. Lay not up treasures on the earth where moth and rust and thieves can break in and steal. But rather lay up your treasures in heaven. Now, did you know that, that you can take almost any subject in the Bible and if you don't put it all together and put it in its proper category, or find the vein of thought that God had, you will find contradictions in the Scripture. Now, all of us know how to deal with Acts 2.38 as it relates to Matthew 28.19. Now, we know how to do that. But we would not know how to do that except that we... Understand before an opinion can be formed. Relative to any doctrine or any teaching of the Bible, we must first search out all the evidences of the Scripture and then draw a conclusion. Only after we have compiled all the evidences of the Scripture. Does, does God really like for people to live a life of problems and trouble and trial? Paul said, Yea, and every man that shall live godly in this present world shall suffer the persecutions of the flesh. So Christians will be persecuted. But you see, the world that persecutes you has little or no effect on the prosperity 
prosperity that God wants to give His children. For He can bless them even as He blessed Isaac when he was surrounded by enemies and lived in enemy territory. Now, I just want to get into this a little bit deeper that I, for clarification, if you'll, if you'll turn with me back to Matthew, the, uh, <clears throat> the sixth chapter. <clears throat> Matthew, the sixth chapter. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now let's just look at this. Okay, here's a gentleman that comes by and says, Well, the Bible tells me to take no thought about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to drink. Take no thought of the body or anything. So what does he do? Uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't buy any new clothes. He doesn't take a bath. I've seen people justify filthiness by using this scripture. I actually had a man to quote that one time. I just simply, we, we just had a man attend our church and he, nobody could stand him. He smelled so bad. So I went and asked him to take a bath. And he said, well, if you don't want me here. I said, well, we weren't talking about <laughs> church attendance. We're talking about taking a bath. You're going to give up on God because the preacher asked you to take a bath? You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, do you? Do you? I don't. <clears throat> but, so here's a man that he just takes no thought of this. So, so what happens? Well, it doesn't make any difference what he puts on. And after a while, there's no food in the house. After a while, there's just absolutely nothing. Nothing. He, he doesn't get a job. He doesn't work because, uh, you know, the fowls, what do they do? They don't sow, so I'm not going to plant anything either. And they don't have to worry about gathering things in barns, so I'm not going to worry about it. Now, people do interpret the Bible that way, friend. And so here you got this man that, that's locked into poverty. And yet he says, oh, the Lord is going to take care of me. The Lord's going to take... Let me ask you, how's God going to clothe you? Is he going to dispatch an angel to come down and tie you up in the middle of the night? And throw you in the bathtub? And scrub your filthy body? Is he going to get somebody to come along? You know, every now and then a robber will come along and... and and, 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 and maybe you got a nice fur coat or something, he'll, he'll put out, uh, pull out a pistol and he'll say, now this is a stick-up or a hold-up, give me your coat. 
You think he's going to send an angel along and say, stick him up, buddy? I got a coat for you. He's going to run this thing in reverse. And, and so after a while, the man has nothing. And then he looks out at the birds that are clothed. And he says, well, they got nice colorful clothes on. You ever seen the geese flying over, going south? And you look over and you say, wow, that one's naked. He's plucked. He's ready for the pot. And you go out with your shotgun and you shoot him. No, friend, they've all got clothes. Where did they get their clothes? They had to lie on the ground someplace and they had to go picking corn to supply nourishment to the body to keep feathers in their skin. Now, you don't have to be a brain. I'm not very smart to figure that out. You know, you just don't see all of a sudden. You, you look up and you see the geese flying and all of a sudden you see these, these, these white and black looking coats falling out of heaven and there comes the geese. They're, they're, those, are, those are their suits. The angels are passing them out. The Heavenly Father. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? So perhaps maybe... What we sometimes interpret in the Scripture is really not the vein of thought that God had in mind at all. Let's just read on. Alright. He goes on to say, And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto your stature? And why take ye thought of raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow... They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of what? Little faith. But we're talking about living by faith. Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, <coughs> Jesus then said, But your number one priority, now this is what he's saying, is not food for your stomach. Your number one priority is not clothes to put on. Because if those constituted your first and second choices, where does that leave God? God should be your number one choice. And people who put other things ahead of God, they don't use God as a first choice, they use Him as a last resort. 
They pray when they have to pray. They fast when they have to fast. They get on the phone and call brothers and sisters when they have to do it. God becomes their last resort, not their first choice. And this is the reason why that many, many people's fasting and praying is not nearly as productive as the individual who gets a hold of God every day of his life. You see, what Jesus was saying when he says, take no thought, if you look at the Greek term here, he is saying, don't be anxious for these things. Anxiety for the things of the world will lead you to many sorrows. When the scripture speaks of the rich, it talks about people who are pierced through with many sorrows. If financial gain and financial prosperity is your number one choice, I will assure you that God will be your last resort. And so as a result, some people are always worried about, where's my next meal coming from? I wonder what I'm going to eat. Now I can assure you, I have a lot of people that are, that are, that are wrapped up in, in poverty that call me on the phone on a weekly basis or monthly basis. I don't have anybody calling me weekly, but monthly. Same people. Pastor, can you help me? I've just been so worried all month long. Just, I mean, I, I, I tell you, it, it's just hard nowadays, you know. We, we just don't, don't get money, much money, you know, living on ADC and, 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 and whatever, the, you know, that, that a few friends. I just, it just, I just can't hardly stretch it out. Now, let me ask you, do you think that that person is living by faith? Now, I'm not talking about a person on ADC. Now, you might be on ADC, and, and you may be a, a good Christian. But I'm talking about the person who's always just worried all the time. It appears to me that they, they could be in violation of the Scripture much more than what you might think they would be in violation of the Scripture. Now, let me just... We, we're not going to stop there. We're going to go just a little bit further. Now, we are talking a little bit about physical things and physical prosperity. <coughs> well, that's not my full intent, but, but it, it is my intent to, to prove something that I think the Scripture is trying to teach us. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He was a young ruler who said, Good Master, this is in Luke 18, 18. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy 
father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I done for my youth up. Now Jesus heard these things, and he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, for thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Well, what happened to this man? He said, You mean I got to give it all up? If I had to give it all up, what am I going to do? So here you have a man that's very wealthy, that's worried about the things that Jesus said don't worry about. And then you have some situations where people are wrapped up in poverty that worry about the same thing. So Jesus said, give it up. Now, you and I know very well that when we receive the Holy Ghost, we transferred all of our commodities to God. That's why we are stewards. We don't really own anything. We just manage things that do not belong to us. I'm going to get back to that in a little while in the form of a challenge. Of course, this man went away sorrowful. Why? He was very rich. He didn't want to give it up because if I give it up, then what will I have? Was it God's intent just to strip him of everything and make him live in poverty? Not at all. You see, when they heard this, uh, Jesus said, <coughs> It's easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye, than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? Question mark. In other words, if it's so hard for a rich man to be saved, as that. And of course the camel eye was the small opening outside of a city. It was in the city's wall or the perimeter. It was the last thing to be shut when the enemy came. The main gates were closed, locked tight. When the cry was made that the enemy was approaching. But the camel's eyes were left open. Or the needle's eye, pardon me. They were left open. They were called the needle's eye. They were the, the small openings around. And somebody stood guard over that. Because they could be closed in a moment's time. Whereas the big master gates sometimes. It took the human efforts of sometimes 10, 15, 20 people to close them. And you just couldn't run up and close them in one snap of your wrist. Now Jesus was saying, you know, every now and then a man gets locked outside. And he gets in, and he wants to get his camel in. Now, <clears throat> the problem is that the camel's about the same size of the opening. And there's a great possibility of him getting stuck. Now, if he gets stuck, what's going to happen? The enemy's going to capture him. They said, who then can be saved? Jesus said, these things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now let me say this. 
I do not feel that any of us should fear living in the will of God. And while none of us are going after riches, at least we should not be going after riches, per se, if through godly living on a day-to-day basis God wants to prosper you and bless you, don't be afraid to accept those blessings. However, you should always maintain your constant composure. The just shall live by faith. It takes just as much faith to control the blessings of God as it does to pray yourself out of poverty. Let you swallow that and digest it just for a few moments. You see, the truth of the matter is, it's, it's an impossibility for anybody to be saved without a miracle. And that's what Jesus went on to explain. Jesus then called them aside, and this is what He said. He said unto them, verse 29, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the, kingdoms, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more. The other two Gospels, Matthew and Mark, say 100-fold. When? In this present Time and in the world to come, life everlasting. All God wanted the young man to do was get his priorities straight. God wanted to take the millionaire and make a multi-millionaire out of him. But when the priorities are not straight, all you do is and all these things. You see, this is the faith that overcometh the world, even our faith. Or this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith to lay a precious commodity at the foot of the cross and surrender it to God is indeed a healthy thing. To put God as your first choice is the right thing. It's always the right thing. And to live a life every day With confidence and trust and faith in God is what God's after. So our priorities are always straight. God is number one. And then all these things are secondary. But because God is number one, then the man's life 
is blessed, not just his testimony. While I like to hear anointed preaching, I certainly like to see a man preach who has genuinely been blessed by God. And while I like to see people testify of the beauty and the righteousness of God and God's cleansing power that will separate them from sin and iniquity, as much as I like to hear an anointed testimony, I would rather any time see a man's anointed life. Why? Because the truth of the matter, when the New Testament says, ye shall be witnesses, it really means ye shall be examples. For we are written epistles, written, etched on the hearts of men by our daily lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. By our daily lives. Praise God. By our daily lives. So the real balance is explained by John in his third epistle. The second verse. 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that ye may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. What he's saying, let your soul be your number one concern. Get things right inside with God. And when things get right inside with God, It is also His will that you be healthy and strong and that you prosper in that respect. But then He separated the physical health from the temporal prosperities of man. And then He said, also that you may prosper in the other things of this life. But the number one is what? The soul. Let's read it again. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And so the man who has an anointed testimony who can take a search for truth chart and sit out in somebody's home and open it up and begin to read and begin to testify and begin to talk about the beauty of God and all the things that God has done. And while that's a great feeling, he leaves there and he knows very well that he hasn't been blessed of God. He doesn't really know where his next meal's coming from. It's been that way for years. He doesn't know he's going to have enough money to pay the rent. It's been that way for years. We're not talking about people who get locked in on some temporary trial. We're talking about people whose lifestyle has conformed to negative undertones. Just living by faith, don't know from one meal to the next where things are going to come from. Now listen, I'm not trying to put anybody down. 
I just really believe that many of God's people live far below the standard in which God wants them to live simply because they don't fully understand what the Scripture is talking about. Now, I never want God to bless me financially in any way that would be detrimental to my soul. But I will say this. I believe a man who cannot handle the blessings of God because of his spiritual condition will find another way to get entrapped if he's no stronger than that. Because we need to constantly pray as we live in the shadow of the cross. Somebody said not too long ago, I don't want to stray too far from the cross. Listen, you better not stray at all. You better keep your hand on that cross. When Paul spoke of the offense of the cross in Galatians 6, he said, God forbid that I should remove the offense of the cross. He said, for when the offense of the cross ceases, then the power of the gospel is gone. That's... that's that's the, my interpretation of what he's saying. What, what is he really saying? He said, if you ever reach the place in which that, that, that the cross is not offensive, then the power of it is gone. Why? Because the cross diametrically opposes human nature. And when God begins to bless you and you stray from the cross and your convictions begin to change, you'll want to go places that you've never been before. And your convictions are changed to satisfy. And all of a sudden, as you march toward that goal that's not God's will, all of a sudden, the offense of the cross screams out at you, No! You can't do it! Because the cross is a symbol of self-denial. It simply means that God now is not your first choice. He will end up being your last resort. Jesus said, except a man take up his cross weekly. Who said daily? Except a man take up his cross daily. Now, the Jews who followed Jesus knew what that cross was all about. Because Jesus was not the only man that ever hung upon a cross. That was the mode of execution that the Romans had picked up from the Chaldeans. The Romans considered it so brutal that it was against the law for a Roman citizen to be nailed to a cross. But many of the strangers of Israel the proselytes to the Jewish faith and many of the Jews because of their transgression carried those crosses down those streets many festival days for crucifixion while weeping, sobbing families fall along behind. Our loved one is going to die. He must separate himself from us today. He's going to die upon the cross.
And while the man carrying the cross would look back at his wife, this may be the last time, honey, I ever peer into your eyes. And my children, who are clinging to mom's side, as desperate little innocent babes, Dad's going to die on the cross. Jesus was talking about the offense of the cross. What he's saying is, until you rearrange your priorities so that God is number one. You cannot be my disciple for the just shall live by faith. In other words, What's your reaction going to be when you start up the ladder to fix the roof and the ladder breaks? And you come crashing down and you can't get up. And now you've got to miss three or four weeks of work. What's your reaction going to be? What's going to happen when you're the man who's in the ditch waiting on the tow truck and yet you've got to flatten you know when he gets you out you can't go anyplace? What's your reaction going to be when you're driving nails and you hit the wrong nail? The just shall live. The just shall live. The just shall live by faith. It's not just running to God every moment that you're in trouble. And then when God blesses you, You forget all about the cross. Listen, you've got to take up that cross daily. That cross is a a symbol of self-denial. No wealth, no prosperous circumstance, no success in life will separate a man from God who takes up his cross daily. It's impossible to separate a man from God who takes up his cross daily. It's impossible to separate a man from God who lives by faith. And I know that I may sound redundant in this message tonight, but I want to emphasize it again. Too many Christians, per se. Maybe I should get a little closer. Too many apostolics. Wait. Until they are in the mire. Before they run to the altar. And then they wonder why in the world. Doesn't God hear and answer prayer. The whole church now has been fasting for three and four days. God's going to bail you out because it's merciful. And then you go back and you treat God the same way. The following day. And he becomes your last resort for sure. You know, I just really believe, according to the scripture, after searching it out, and we could get into this, God has abundant living in store for his people. And and you see, because that people only see the natural, this is God's way 
of showing the world his favor upon his children. Now I realize that, that, that nobody here is thinking about getting rich. You know, becoming a millionaire. We're not even talking on that level. <clears throat> Maybe some of you are. I saw several people smile when they thought of it. Yeah, that would be nice. <clears throat> you know, come to think of it, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's don't think about that, though. <clears throat> you follow what I'm saying, though? That, that, that we separate sometimes faith and make it a figment of the imagination. It's something we got to have when Aunt Susie is sick or my grandmother's passing away. But you know what? A daily acquaintance with God, a life of faith, in a practical sense, Put you in harmony with God so that when the crisis comes, God's not a stranger. You know, like the man who rolled out of bed and he says, Hello, Lord. You know, I'm John Doe. Remember me? I got the Holy Ghost 14 years ago. You know, I live over here on 4873 Felon Road. My telephone number, you know, is area code 608-2490-251. My zip code is 53704. You know me, God? You know, we got to get acquainted with God all the time. Over and 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 over. You know, let me, let me tell you something that's real, 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 real strange. But yet, the person who does it becomes the envy of their peers. Every now and then, you'll find a young person who decides that all of this hogwash is of the devil. And they get enough brains together while they're young to know that the devil's trying to destroy them. So, they set a goal of just being a good Christian. That's what I want to be. I want to be a good Christian. So, I'm not going to be listening to rock and roll music anymore. Now, they don't go around condemning all the time, but when the friends come around and say, Hey, what about you? Uh, you got any good records? Yeah, I got some good ones. Well, what, what good records do you have? Well, got Lanny Wolf and. Oh. Well, I just got a, got a new one. Christian group, you know. You know, Christian, you know. Let me say something here. I don't no more believe that all of these people that say they're Christian are Christian any more than I believe all these churches that say that they're saved are saved. And I cannot foresee why any Apostolic, Jesus name, Holy Ghost, tongue talking, eye running, foot stomping, hand clapping, Christian 
will want to listen to anything questionable. You may say, well, you weren't talking about me anyway, Pastor. Well, I better start talking about you. Like the lady told me one time, she said, you know, you just rubbed me the wrong way. She said, you know, you take a cat and you rub him the wrong way. You know what happened? He spits in your face. Uh, there's a simple solution to that. I said, just turn the cat around. <laughs> and that's what some of you young people need to do. You see, the just shall live by faith. And all of a sudden, this young person who is out in left field, he's not the mod of the group, see. All of a sudden, he just gets his act together and he just keeps on living it and he gets a job and he starts paying his tithing and, and he goes to school and he studies and so forth and so on and he, he's down at the altar praying and everything that the church is doing, he's, he's right there, he, he, he's behind everything, he's, he's just, a, just a plain old square. But then in just a few months... The blessings of the Lord rest upon him. And the young people are saying, well, yeah, if I could be spiritual like Chuck, you know. Sure. But look how he's blessed of God. Why is he blessed of God? Because he lives by faith. Whereas... You're praying, you're seeking God, your trusting in the Lord only occurs when the preacher preaches messages like this. And that's the reason why you are so mixed up and so confused all the time. <clears throat> Young people want to go out and smoke marijuana. They want to go out and get drunk. Listen, if I live like that, that'd drive me to drinking too. <clears throat> I mean that. I just want to challenge you and talk about some of these things. How long have I been going? It's 9-11. I think I started about 8.45, didn't I? <laughs> Maybe a little bit before. But I want, to, I want to challenge you. I've got five questions here that I challenged our church with in a Bible study several years ago. Let me just challenge you from what I consider a very scriptural standpoint about everyday living. Listen to this number one question. What important goals... Would you be setting for yourself in life if you knew, listen to this, if you knew, if you knew you could not fail?
Let me repeat it again. What important goals would you be setting for yourself if you knew you could not fail? You may say, well, Brother Grant, <clears throat> I'm subject to failing. You, you, you talked about that, and sure enough, I did. But I'd like to have you to turn with me to Second Peter, the fourth chapter, or first chapter, pardon me, <coughs> starting with verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What kind of promises? Great promises. What kind of promises? Precious promises. Now when something gets great, friend, it's dynamite. When something gets precious, it's sweet. But God couples it together and says, I want to give you something that's great. Dynamite. And yet precious. You know, some things are great, but they'll blow your head off. <clears throat> All right. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. What divine nature? God's nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. The just shall do what? Live by faith. This is a life progress situation. It's giving yourself to God every day. It's taking up your cross every day. It's approaching the Savior every day. It's going to Him every chance you can. For if these be, be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. For he hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. God becomes what? His last resort, not his first choice. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. My friend, when God put the Holy Ghost in me, that's the earnest of my inheritance. It's the down payment of heaven. If you purchase property and you walk up to a man and you hand him an offer, he's going to look at you and say, where's the earnest money? You hand him $1,000 on a piece of property, that holds that property until closing date. And when God gave you the Holy Ghost, that holds you in Christ's stead until the rapture. Until you get your house in heaven. 
Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not wrong to set goals. I want to be a healthy person. I want to be a person that's life's anointed of the Lord. But first and foremost, friend, I want my soul to be cleansed every day by the powerful, cleansing, redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. When my lawnmower don't start, I want my neighbor to know that John Grant is distinctively different. When somebody runs through my yard and cracks my house up, I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. When my flat occurs on the street someplace, I want everybody to know I am different for sure. What makes us different? Our weapons are not carnal, but they are spiritual to the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Now, I believe that on the drawing boards of hell, listen to me, that there is a plan designed by Satan to destroy you. I believe that. He's got a plan to destroy you. But now you're a Christian. My second question is, what dreams would would be on the drawing boards of your mind... That as far as God's work is concerned, and God's work is everything. You, you just can't separate it, see. We've separated too long. It's, it's everything. What dreams would be on the drawing board of your mind if you knew you had unlimited resources? <clears throat> unlimited Resources. Let's turn to Philippians. Philippians four nineteen. But my God shall supply all. Let's say that together. All. Let's say it again. All. God shall supply. Well, then why worry? That's what he's saying. In other words, don't get yourself worked up in a tizzy someplace and lose your religion just over the fact that things went wrong. Do you think things are going to go wrong for Chuck Cox? Yeah. You think things are going to always be right for Pastor Grant? No. No. They will not always be right for Pastor Grant. In fact, there have been times in which I figured that bad luck just followed me around. You ever felt like that? Every now and then, though, I'll talk to somebody and they say, well, nothing ever... Nothing good ever happens to me. You know why? Because you've got your faith in reverse. You need to reach down to the gear stick and pull up on that baby and pull it back 
and jiggle around a little bit and get in the right gear. And you need to let the clutch out and head toward the aisle. You get your faith in reverse. You believed it was going to be bad, so sure enough, God honored your faith and just let it be bad. You knew, you knew, you knew in the backside of your mind, you knew God wouldn't answer your prayer. Oh, ye of little faith, but the just shall live by faith. You knew it was going to be wrong, so sure enough, it went wrong. Did I spit on you? I saw him turn his head real fast. I didn't know if that was the spirit of the spit. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, God. <clears throat> hallelujah. <clears throat> now, here's one that I really like. Number three. What plans would you be making if you knew you had 30 years to carry them out? <clears throat> you know, I used to work as a salesman for Montgomery Ward. So I would uh, <clears throat> talk to people about a credit card. You know, they had awards charge cards. And if you gave out so many credit cards per month, you got uh, special bonuses. Brother Wittenbach, you've heard of things like that, haven't you? Okay. Give me a salesman special bonuses. said, ma'am, do you have a words card? And uh, she said, no. I said, how come you don't have a words card? You ought to have a words card. You're, you're always in here. And uh, <clears throat> she said, but oh, son, you know, I retired eight years ago. And uh, I don't think I'm going to live that long. I like to just kind of keep my record straight because I'm not going to live very long. And I'm telling you what happened several times to me. Well, <clears throat> I got to feeling sorry for this lady because she's going to die any moment, see. <laughs> me being a preacher, I got to talk to her about death. So I turn it around and I start talking to her about her soul. And would you believe that all of a sudden she acts as if she's going to never die. She'll never die. It's <clears throat> the way people are, see. And I found this out. Usually the things that God prompts you to do, just through human nature, you, you look for ways to get out of it. And usually the time element is the biggie. I don't have enough time. That's the biggie Amen. right there. Let's see what the scripture has to say about that. Well, I like the book of Philippians on these deals. <clears throat> Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, don't just sit around. Now, the day of Jesus Christ here is talking about the time in which the Lord will come. So, what it's saying here, don't wait. Now, just don't sit around and wait now. 
because you think the rapture is going to take place next week. Friend, I would rather be in the middle of a gigantic building program knowing the rapture was going to take place two years from now than I would to sit down and put the money in savings and twiddle my thumbs and do nothing until Jesus Christ gets back. In other words, if it's God's idea, get with the program. And so, maybe you don't have 30 years, but don't worry about it. First Corinthians 1, verse 8. <clears throat> well, I want to read uh, verse 7. So that ye come behind... In no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to put a little bit different slant on this. You may say, Brother Grant, I can prove that's not what it's saying. I think you're going to have a hard time. What he's saying is, so that you come behind in no gift, don't sit around waiting on Jesus Christ. In other words, get with the program today. Do it right now. Notice the reason why that I use that interpretation is because of the context. Verse 8. Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you unto the end. Now what's he going to do? There will be a constant confirmation of the Spirit of the Lord upon you. If he called you to do something and you made plans to do it. He will be with you, constantly confirming you. People will see the confirmation of Almighty God resting upon your life day after day after day after day, Brother Chuck, until He takes you home. Hallelujah. Now why should you do that? So that ye be blameless. That's got to be your attitude. I've got 30 years. I'm going to make big plans. I'm going to live a full life. And do you know what you can do if you're a, if you're a, if you're a red-blooded Christian? You can pack 30 years of living in four years the way some people live their lives. I used to do carpentry work. I remember building a, a complex of homes. And I could look out across when I was doing the roofing. I could look out across the, the meadow there. And there were two ladies. Now, they weren't real old ladies. And you could expect a retired lady to just sit in a swing. But these ladies did nothing but sit there. You, they weren't knitting. They weren't doing anything. Just swinging back and forth in that swing. Day after day after day after day. Just chomping at the jaws. Day after day. I said, man, what a life. Life of Riley, somebody said. Listen, we don't have any Rileys around here. Brother Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about your name. <laughs> you don't understand what I mean, but I'm talking about people just, just sit there and just, oh, that's boy, I'll tell you, just taking it easy with Jesus. You know what you're going to do? You're going to take it so easy when He comes back, it's going to be hard then. <clears throat> living for Jesus is hard, somebody said, but living hard for Jesus is easy. Who shall confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord? 
God is fruitful by whom you're called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. So why? Make big plans. Let God bless you. He wants to bless you. Now we go on to the fourth question. I've got to hurry here. What projects would you be launching if you knew you had the wisdom to solve any problem and the power to sweep all obstacles out of your way? Now, do you think I really have a scriptural answer for that? You think I can read you some scriptures? Read the book of James. If any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, what do you mean lacketh wisdom? That means if you come short of whatever you're doing. Because, you know, you might be very, very wise, and all of a sudden you're challenged with something, and you just don't have it. So if any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth sparingly. How does God give wisdom? How? How? Say it loud enough so everybody can hear you. Liberally! Now what do you think liberal giving is? Just open up your wallet and pour it all in. And, and this is what he said. If any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally. <clears throat> who giveth liberally. Going back to Philippians, the book that we're, we're sticking with a little bit here. <clears throat> Philippians, the fourth chapter now. Verse 13. I can do all things... Through Christ, which strengthens me. All, let's say it again, all. How much is that? That's every bit of it. You, you see, the reason why that some people are not genuinely blessed of God is this. They sit around waiting for their ship to come in. But friend, your ship won't return until you send it out. You're still docked on the shore. And if it was started out empty, it, it's probably empty now. You've got to cut that thing loose and send it out. What exciting work would you be engaged in today if you knew you could acquire the skills to see your ideas become a reality? You want me to repeat that one? What exciting work would you be engaged in today if you knew you could acquire the skills to see your ideas become a reality? You know what a lot of people say? I don't have enough time. A lot of people say, I'm not smart enough. Some people say, I just don't have the skill to do it. Philippians two, thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do 
His good pleasure. Don't get hung up on little old things like, I can't. Don't get hung up on little old things like, everything always goes bad with me. The just shall do what? Live by faith. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Day after day after day, walking steadfastly with God. Would you stand? Yea, my child, I put my spirit within you to motivate you and to give you power. If it were possible for you to do what needs to be done on this planet Earth, with your own might, your own skills, your own ability, and your own wisdom, and your own financial resources, then you would have no need of me. But I am the Lord of heaven that has an unlimited supply of whatever you need. And I ask of you this night to trust in me. Call upon my name. Bow your knees and your heart before me. Open up your soul as a man would open up a bag. And hold it before me fully opened. And let me supply the need and fill it up. Tuck it away in your heart. And let it become a part of your action on a day-to-day basis. I am the Lord that lives within sight of you. And I am the God that reigns forevermore. My only limitation on this earth are the hands, the feet, the mouths, the bodies that I work in. I have purposely subjected myself to live within you. But then the world cannot see God, neither can they know God, because they are of carnal minds and carnal natures. But they see me living in you. This is my real purpose saith the Lord.
Sing a chorus, I am blessed. Sing it yourself, says, I am blessed. Oh, Oh, I am Ah! Uh-huh. 